In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's September 23rd, 2011, and you're listening to episode 11 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm not dead. (laughs) And we're coming to you from deep in the yarn bunker to try and avoid pieces of satellite falling on our heads. Pieces of school bus-sized satellite. If you never hear from us again, we have obviously gotten beamed by something from space. And they better bring the yarn with us. I want to be buried with my yarn, damn it. Viking funeral with my yarn. But just in case that doesn't happen, because you know it's like, I think it's like one in a few million chance or a few billion chances that will actually happen. Let's come on to our adventures in knitting. Okay. Now, just so everybody knows, I did not fall off the planet. I did get sick. I'm sorry. And in that time, no, I was not propped up in my bed with mounds of yarn around me and happily knitting away. I couldn't function, so I... You're having crazy fever dreams instead. Yeah, so you know what? Today I listened to the last podcast we did where I was so excited about getting to the end of the Celtic Stole, and (laughs) I heard my own voice say, yeah, so I should finish this within next week. Yeah, Unless something happens. Yeah. All Which right. is probably just inviting the universe to smite you. Yeah, the uni- well, at least we know the universe listens to our podcast. Apparently. Yeah. So, I have been working on it this week. I am 17 rows away from the end of the last pattern. Ooh. And then I do the border and that's it. So, barring death, Armageddon, Ascension, or the Apocalypse, or any mixture of those, I should get this thing done really damn soon. Because I am, I mean, it is looking pretty and I'm really proud of it and everything like that. But let's just say the marriage between myself and this stole is done. (laughs) And I'm ready to see other people now. As I was going to say, if you were raptured, you'd be like, but but I was almost done that stole. Dude, whatever archangel comes down to deliver the rapture and I'm not done that stole. And I mean, that stole had better be on blocking wires for me to be done with it. That angel and I are going to throw down. And I don't care what legacy he has underneath his belt. I, that angel and I will throw down. Can I take it with me at least? <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I know I've been pretty good, but you know what? Just for a little while, sit me in purgatory. <laughs> That's kind of like riding on the bus. <laughs> it's like, oh yes, I've got all this time to I've knit. got all the time in the world. Anyway. I probably shouldn't wish for that. The universe <laughs> will be listening again. Hopefully there's a nice little knitting corner in heaven. With lots of cashmere. No, you just knit from cloud. You sit on top of the clouds and you could just knit from cloud. Would there be indie dyers to dye cloud? Okay, now we're getting really... Um, anyway. This is the kind of religion I like. Okay, so you've been working on that. I've been working on the Celtic stole. I have started the second happy sock of peace transformation and I am above the toe line, so I'm now into the pattern and I'm making it swirl to the in the opposite direction. And this is my brainless knit that I carry around in my purse and I am very thankful for. Oh yes, and by the way everybody, happy autumnal equinox! Yay! It is in the ancient of days, it is Mabon, which is the harvest festival. Well one of the harvest festivals, because they have several. And the festival of removing the hand nets from the closet. Yes. That is the modern festival. <laughs> I actually wore hand-knit socks this week. Yay! Sadly, it's gotten a little warm the last couple of days. Only the last couple of days. Late September is the month where summer 
is actually in its death throes and it refuses to give up. Yeah, where Mother Nature would be like, okay, I guess it's time for you to get out your fall clothes. Wait a minute, I'm going to make you wear the summer stuff a little longer. Psych! Yep, so that's me and my adventures in my knitting. I'm really tired of knitting the same thing over and over again. Which This is why I'm so focused on getting the Celtic stole done. I have told myself I'm not allowed to cast on anything else until I get the stole done. Because I had this fear, if I do, I'm going to cast on all these other things, and I will forget about the stole until the 11th <laughs> hour, and go, oh crap, I've got to knit lace, like, at light speed, at warp 8. And we all know that doesn't happen very, very well. <laughs> we all know that is the one-way trick ticket to crazy town. Yeah. I wouldn't even consider... When I was when I was ill, and I'm like, well, I could probably work on the Celt. No, the last thing I need to do is work on a lace pattern when I'm ill. Yes, especially when you're feverish and already dreaming that I you're to- behind in Christmas knitting. Yeah, I did. I, I woke up in a panic state and from a fever dream, worried about being behind schedule for my Christmas knitting. This is the crazy that lives in my brain on a normal day. Okay, so what about you? What you been knitting? I've knit a few more hexapuffs. Not in the last week or so, because I'm little, not... One, two, little, three, little, little hexapuffs. Hex now that we've got that song stuck in your head again, yeah. I haven't been knitting them like some people where they're doing at least one per day. I'm just like, I feel like knitting hexapuffs. Or, oh crap, I forgot all my other my other knitting projects. I'm going to knit hexapuffs. I just <laughs> do it whenever, and then usually I'll do like two or three in a day, so whatever. Or when I'm super tired, which I have been a fair bit recently, after I edit out that yawn. <laughs> um, but mostly I've been working on the Severus socks. Yee. <laughs> And for some reason, I have not cast on the second sock yet. Probably just because every time I think of doing it, then I, it's only like five minutes before I have to be out the door, and I don't have time to actually wind the other ball of yarn. But on the first sock, I am past the heel and working on the leg. Yay. They always look so itty-bitty when they're on needles. And actually, just right now, I'm checking the fit because I guess because they're they're a small lace pattern, like they're only a six-stitch wide, four-row long repeat. They remind me of uh, the Hedera's. Yeah, it's a... Th- somewhat similar lace pattern to that but because they're lace when they're on the needles they sort of swoosh up and they look really tiny so I just put them on my feet to double check that they're not going to be too small and oh yeah they're fine I was thinking earlier like should I go up a size needle for the leg because that doesn't look big enough but no they look okay Good lord. If they I stretch kn- quite a bit. If I knit myself a pair, they'll look like mice slippers. Well, you know, <laughs> either take out a repeat or two, or do it on smaller needles. I'm doing these on 2.25 millimeter needles, and I'm doing them on the Chowgu red lace needles that I got a few weeks ago, which I really like. I don't think I've done like a full review on the podcast, so I'll just mention they're really neat. <laughs> they take a little bit of getting used to just because the cable in the Chowgu needles is actually, it's actually a metal cable mm-hmm. that's actually twisted around itself. Like if you've seen steel cable that holds up bridges, right, right. the way they're sort of twisted together. So it's a, it's a metal, it's, it's a metal applied string. Yeah, and it's it's very thin though. And it's got a plastic casing on top of it so that it's nice and smooth. But because of that, the cable is a little stiffer than other cables, but which means it doesn't tend to wrap up and kink in on itself okay. like some doesn't of the mean- other plastic ones do. Like sometimes when I'm working with the plastic needles, I'll actually have to twirl the needle around so that the cable will untwist from itself. This one, I don't really have to do that. How are the joins? The joins are really nice. The joins are actually, I can show them to Maggie. They're tapered. They're, uh, yeah, they're a very small taper. Like, it's over a very short distance. So, I mean, on these ones, they're 2.25 millimeter needles. So, they don't have to taper, take a as lot. long to taper. 
I'd have to see what the taper was like on larger needles to see how good it is on other ones. But for the socks, they're really good. They slide on and off really nicely. But yes, the ends are nice and pointy. They're maybe about as pointy as the Knit Picks ones, but I know when I'm knitting with them, they go in nicely and they have uh, nickel-plated tips on them, which is my preferred material because it slides nicely, especially on such soft yarn as this. And the yarn I'm using for these, again, is the Shellridge Farm Soft Touch Ultra that I got at the Kitchener Waterloo Knitters Fair. So I really like the needles. There's only a few places that I know of that have them so far, but more and more are getting them. Okay. I got them from a seller on Etsy, whose name I cannot completely remember at the moment, but I'll probably put it in the show notes. Okay. You can also find, if you go to the Chowgu website, which is where I'll link when I'm mentioning the needles, they have a list of all their retailers. It even puts them in a different color if they're an online retailer or they have an online shop that you can buy through, which is really nice. So you're not just, you know, random clicking and seeing if the website actually has an online shop portion. The only thing is they don't, obviously they don't mention on there which places have the red lace needles which only carry their bamboo needles. Mm. So you kind of have to click around a little bit, but I'll list a few in the show notes that I know that have them. And then the other thing I've been working on recently is I have picked up the Viper Pilot socks again. Yay! Yay! Because now that life has calmed down after the summer and work has been less crazy. Are they starting to respect your authority? Uh, some of them. Or sorry, the socks you meant. Yes. <laughs> socks, not patrons. Yeah, no. Since when do patrons ever respect my authority? I oh, was no. talking about the socks. I'm like, okay, no, we at least had a negotiation table. Yeah, the socks are respecting my authority. Those are so sparkly. I know. And I've actually gotten just past the heel. I have just picked up the gussets and worked like one round around. The place where I had stopped was at the end of the second viper. So since then I have knit an entire another viper in the heel. And what has really helped, besides not the non-crazy, is I got some double width post-it notes, which means that I was able to put a post-it note that pretty much covers the entire width of the chart and move that up one row at a time. And I have been very conscious of only doing these at times where I can sit down and concentrate on them. Or even just, Or even, you know, kind of concentrate on them. Like, it's not like I cannot do anything else, but they're the sort of thing I can do if I'm sitting in Starbucks listening to a podcast yeah. and work on them then. Or if I'm if I'm watching TV or if it's something on TV that I have already seen, if I've got a movie on that I've already seen, then I can do them. Or if I'm listening to an audiobook, then I can work on them. Send them this way again. I, I want to see the sparklies. <laughs> yes, they are very sparkly. And because I haven't mentioned it in a while, this is yarn by another crafty girl. I forget what her official name is for her sparkly yarn, but it's the kind that has a little bit of silver sparkle in them in the galaxy colorway. Which I thought would be, it was appropriate for the Viper Pilot. That is just so neat. And it's a whole bunch of colors that have been over-dyed with a dark blue, so it sort of harmonizes them. I would so want to wear these out at night and, like, see if they sparkle, twinkle, or glow. But yes, they're going quite well. I still need to cast on for the second Viper Pilot sock, but I will probably do that soon, especially after I organize my knitting needles and find out what's still stuck in a ball of yarn somewhere. (laughs) Those are mainly what I've been working on. The Severus socks have been really easy to do when I'm on the bus, so I have just been doing those most of the time, and the Viper Pilots have been, you know, any other time when I've been out, but had the chance to concentrate on them. Right. So it's basically just been those two. I can empathize. But at least in this case, it's stuff I want to do. If I wanted to do another project, yes, I could. Dude, after I get finished with the Celtic Stole, I am going to go so yarn slutty. I'm just going to start casting on all over the place. 
<laughs> like I said, it's an open relationship with your project. Yeah. Okay, now moving into Geek Squee, one thing I did manage to do while I was laid up in bed was watch some movies. Geeky movies. What better geeky movies than Marvel geeky movies? Yay. Okay, so I got to see Thor. Finally. And I am a mythology aficionado buff connoisseur. Now, mythology and comic books don't always go perfectly hand in hand, but well, yes. it was kind of fun to be able to look at, you know, somebody... Some creative in, licenses. It was kind of fun. It was still kind of fun to be able to look at a person and say, oh my god, that's bloody 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 blah because I know because of... This, this, and this. And I've never read any of the comic books. <laughs> Yay me! So Thor, I really, really liked. My favorite part of the whole thing was the Bifrost Bridge. I thought it was awesome. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware with the Norse mythology, the Bifrost Bridge is also known as the Rainbow Bridge that connects the worlds. And I was kind of wondering how they were going to do this so that it didn't look Care Bear and My Little Pony, like sliding down a rainbow. But it actually looked really cool. It looked like something very, almost electric. Well, see, when you say Rainbow Bridge, I just think of the bridge going from Niagara Falls, Ontario, to Niagara Falls. <laughs> I didn't... New that, York. That never even occurred to me. Okay. And just on the uh, actor appreciative note, while Chris Hemsworth, who is the guy who plays Thor is very attractive in his own way, and yes, you do get to see, you get to see him pretty much from the pelvic bone up, naked. Rawr. Yeah, um, specifically from the su- superior iliac crest, which is right there. She, as she points <clears throat> on her hips. Yeah, on my hips. He is kind of like the big blonde teddy bear that you just happen to know can destroy things, whereas Loki is a sexy viper. So there you go. Those are, there are the two halves of the movie. It depends on if you sort of like the lovable jock or if you like the brooding type. And Lo- Loki has the attraction that Snape has because <laughs> he is the wounded. I carry so much angst and pain and thus I have this brooding... And thus I am a douche. Yeah, he is a douche. So I carry this brooding mantle that is the magnet for all things feminine. He does. He reminds that instinct to heal. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was really good in my opinion. Have you seen it yet? No, I have You've not seen actually that seen one. it yet. I still need to see that one. I but. think you will enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure I will. I like either comic book movies, so. And I mean, thinking when you were just talking about Loki there, one of the amusing things when you say that is that for someone who's not seen the movie and therefore isn't involved in the fandom, so I don't know what the fandom percentage of this is, but in all the other sort of geeky fandom, general fandom places where I've seen people using live journal icons or images or animated GIFs from Thor, Loki is the one who (laughs) seems to feature in these a lot. We're looking at... Fandom yeah. secrets on LiveJournal. I've seen a hell of a lot more about Loki than I have about Thor. Or at least more images involving him, which is kind of interesting. I will admit that the headdress to me is a bit much, but it is true to the comic books. And I'm not really sure what the comic book creators had in mind when they created that headdress for him. But hey, the Norse are into it, apparently. He wears fabulous hats. Hell. He is the Princess Beatrice <clears throat> Of Norse yeah, mythology. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> in my opinion, yes. At least when it comes to the hats. All right, have you seen a picture of Loki? I've seen a few, yeah. Have you seen a picture of the horns? I believe so, yes. Okay, then you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, there, there might be a few 
diehards out there that are, are ready to, you know, string me up by my toes. But, okay, I'm I just voicing my own, my own opinion. The horns are just a little bit out there for me. That's all I'm saying, okay? I'm, everything else about the man is fantastic. Including being the brooding douchebag. The horns are just a little bit much for me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Though really, compared to, like, other comic book character costumes... I suppose. It's really nothing surprising. No, yeah, I I guess. And he doesn't wear it all the time. Yeah. He doesn't. It's just... At least he doesn't wear tidy whities on the outside of his clothes. Yeah, (laughs) no. Anyways, and I also got to see X-Men First Class... Which I have seen. And I am all about the hello, Mr. Nerdy, Mr. Tumnus. Hi, Mr. Tumnus with superpowers. Mr. Tumnus with telepathy. Hi, (laughs) James McAvoy. Wow, he's pretty. I'm sorry, I... I, You're getting all verklempt. I dig the nerds. I'm just thinking of Michael Fassbender and (laughs) mentally Mentally fanning myself. Putting him into a James Bond tuxedo. Oh, dear God, I don't even have to try that hard. (laughs) There was the moment in X-Men First Class where, I think he was in Argentina Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, Um, sounds right. And he's actually speaking German, and I was like, oh dear god, there goes my panties. Because that's (laughs) one of the things that that I really like is when, you know, you see someone, something about when someone is talking like in a foreign language, it's also kind of, oh it's low, you can kick ass, and you're educated. It's one of those things right up there with accents. It's just sexy. Yes, and he can kick ass at the And we like the rest of the movie, too. Yeah. And <laughs> I should say, now that we've talked for, like, ten minutes about how hot these guys are. Speaking of hot, by the way, um, one of my favorite points of the movie was the Wolverine cameo. Oh, dear God, that was awesome. I am Charles Xavier. I'm Eric Lenscher. Fuck you. And, you know, just turn around and walk off. And like, you have a couple, okay. of, couple of seconds of Wolverine looking over his shoulder at them and then ordering another drink. And I'm like, yep, that's Logan. That's- Wolverine. That's him. <laughs> I loved how they remained true to that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, okay, this is another, we were talking about this earlier, and this is another part where I say, I like comic book movies. As I believe I said before when I first saw X-Men First Class, I haven't actually read much of the comic books, other than a couple of the ones where Joss Whedon was writing them. So of course, I was going into the movie with different expectations than, say, people who have been fans of the comic books. Right. Because I have really heard mixed reviews. Some they were like, yay, this was neat, from people who, I'm not sure if they've ever read the comics, or if they've just seen the movies, to the usual sort of... They destroyed it. Comic fanboy, or fangirl thing, which is valid. I mean, like I said, if you have read the comic books, it's totally valid to go in and be like, what the hell did you just do? Because, you know, as we were talking earlier, I'm like, okay, if there had been something that, like, I had been really into since I was a teenager and they made a movie out of it, I would totally be in the same camp where we'd be like, please, dear God, do not have screwed this up. Or like, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Sort of. And in that camp, by the way, this has been fluttering about the internet for a while. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp are teaming up again. This is really no surprise to anybody. I think they have to breathe each other's air every couple of years <laughs> in order for them both to survive. They are making a movie... Based on the old TV show, Dark Shadows. I've seen quite a few people on message boards. And these are people who grew up with the TV show. They're largely into the dark fic or into the horror fics. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, please, Tim Burton, do not screw up my childhood. Oh, yes. These are the pictures that Johnny Depp... I just made the connection. These are the pictures (laughs) where people say Johnny Depp looked like Michael Jackson. Right. (laughs) 
because those are the first pics that leaked. And literally, Michael, and literally, he looks like Mike. He's got the shades. He's got the pasty. I mean, like pancake white put on his face. He's got the black fedora. He's got the black outfit. Looks like Michael Jackson, and everybody's going, what the hell are you doing? Well, now they've gone and released the official first photograph, and there's a collective sigh of relief from the fans going, okay, that's more like it. Well, and two, the original photos, like, I've seen them, and it's basically, like, walking from the makeup trailer to the set or something like that out in the daytime. And, I mean, it reminds me of when they were filming Deathly Hallows Part 2, I remember seeing leaked pictures of Tom Felton done up in the older Draco Malfoy makeup, and it looked pretty bad. Really? Now, whatever you thought of the makeup in the actual movie, the way the aging makeup looked on them in the movie, it looks a lot better in the movie, or a lot less awkward in the movie, than it did in those pictures, because they're not lit the right way, it's not on film, it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff to, to take into account when you're looking at set pictures like that, especially when it comes to makeup. That will be interesting to see. The premise of the movie, which will be released in May, by the way, is that Johnny Depp's character is called Barnabas. He and his father came across from England to the United States... New England, in 17... What was it? 72? 1752. 20 years later, he is now the lord of the manor. He's got, you know, the town at his feet, and he's quite a playboy, until he breaks the heart of one particular girl who happens to be a witch. Oh, dear. And she curses him. Yeah, that's always a bad idea. Yeah, it's a bad idea. And then buries him alive. (laughs) Well, Oh, dear God. Oh, God. I don't know if I'll be watching this bit. Personal phobia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Well, she... She turns him into a vampire. Yeah. That's the curse that she does, and then buries him alive. 200 years later, he's now risen in, um, you know, 1972 New England, and he's come to find out that his estate, his descendants and everything, has just fallen into lackluster. You know, the the heights and the glamour of the family are gone, Mm -hmm. and they're all still scrambling to hold up appearances. And um, Michelle Pfeiffer is in it as the family matriarch. Oh, that should be interesting. Yeah. And, of course, where you find Johnny Depp, and Tim Burton, you will find the third out of that triangle, Helena Botham Carter. Of course. She is a living psychologist. She, um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character... So she's not playing the crazy for no, once. No, no, for once. <laughs> Mind you, with the eyeshadow that she was wearing in the picture. Wow! Anyway. It was bright blue peacock eyeshadow, but, you know, it was the <laughs> early, early 70s. Yeah, true. Michelle Pfeiffer's character has hired Helena's character come and figure out her family's crazy. <laughs> How is that for ironic? Anyway, so yeah, she plays a live-in psychologist. And, uh, you know, there's there's all of the usual family secrets and stuff like that. I don't know, it looks kind of interesting. We'll have to see how it progresses. Yeah, I'll have to see what it looks like when the trailer comes out and stuff. And it, it's for May of next year, so we have a little bit of we have a little bit of time to see how it starts to grow and glow in the fandom. But speaking of remakes, I've seen a few articles that apparently CBS is going to be doing a modernized version of Sherlock Holmes. Oh boy. Yeah. Needless to say, I looked at like three or four articles about this, and in each article, most of the comments to the articles 
was, what are they doing? The BBC has already done that and done it so well. Please just keep your hands off. Now, this is something they proposed, apparently. I don't think they've even got a script yet. But, and I mean, on the one hand, I've been sort of doing a little creative thought experiment to be like, how would you set Sherlock Holmes in the modern day in the United States? Because Holmes is just so London. Yeah, he's a creature of his environment. Yeah, it seems like there's just this synergy between the character and the setting that seems to work so perfectly. And the BBC version has been able to capture that, even in the modern day. I'm not sure how it would work if he was then sort of transplanted to the United States in New York or maybe even Chicago, I could see. Not that I want to see that. I should say I could see it, you know, as if I was trying to do this my if for some reason I decided to try doing this myself, I would never try and do it because it's it's done. It's London yeah. and the BBC does it so well. But, you know, just to sort of like, okay, it's if like, I had to, like, how would how would this work? It's like Doctor Who without his TARDIS. Yeah. I can't imagine Doctor Who in the U.S. either, because there's, there's just some sort of... I, maybe it's I just know because it, they're traditionally British. I know. There's just I, sort of a, a Britishness to them. It's just, I'm I'm still so young to the whole Doctor Who genre. Yeah, I haven't, uh, watched genre. Much, I haven't watched much Doctor Who, but it's still, it's just seems one of those, like, classically British things. But I don't know, I'm just trying to think of, like, how... I'm just not sure, I'm just trying to think of, like, how you would get the same sort of perfectness of setting for the character. And have it not be something that's already done American. Yeah, I could maybe see Holmes in like 221B West 72nd in some old brownstone. Yeah, Holmes is definitely not a, uh, a southern boy. Nah. He, would, he would have to be a New Englander. Plus, I think if you're looking for the same sort of, a, a sort of city with the same kind of population density and same kind of... Opportunity for... history. Yeah, art, and history, and culture sort of all mishmashed together. Which is the other reason why I could say, sort of see, maybe even see, like, Chicago or something, because Chicago is a slightly gritty... <laughs> sort of setting. Like, you think of Chicago and you think of, like, the 20s and gangsters and things like that. But you said but that New York has had a hell of a lot of upheaval. They haven't proposed this. This is only in a proposal stage. They haven't actually yeah. started writing. From what I've seen, they haven't actually got a script or anything yet. Not even sure who they'd get to play Holmes, either. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. Though, I mean, obviously American actors can play Sherlock Holmes, because, hello, we have Robert Downey Jr. Yes, but he does it with a British accent. Yes. Can you imagine Holmes with a New York or a New Jersey accent? I could see him maybe with, like, a, a slightly posher American accent. Like, maybe not, like, the, the Sopranos accent. style. Yeah. You know, but more like sounding like someone, yeah, who could, you know, from came from Harvard or something like that. Yeah. Because Holmes is, there is a very sort of tradition in home with Holmes of him seeming very sort of upper class even though he's very sort of unconventional. Yeah. I think that's part of the that's part of the character really is that he seems so logical and proper and stuff and intelligent and maybe sort of higher class but he's so so out there in his actions in a yes. way. But yeah, so that should be interesting. But then on the I mean even with thinking of this it's like guys the BBC's already done that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little late to the party. And really, if they're trying to do it, I think they're setting themselves up to have an even harder time of it because the BBC has already done it and because they've done it so well. What actors... People like it so much. What actor's going to take that job? I can see... Well, I can see a lot of actors being like, I don't care that somebody else has already done it recently. I still really want to play Sherlock Holmes. Okay, you have a point there. 
Because that's kind of a role that a lot of people would jump at. But I don't know. It should be interesting to see what happens with that. I'm still going to be more eagerly looking forward to oh, no kidding. the next season of Sherlock, though. <laughs> I cannot wait. I know. Getting into some uh, knitting geekiness. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned Nerd Wars here. And in the Nerd Wars discussion, we also mentioned something similar to that. The Hogwarts House Cup. There's also, on Ravelry, the Starfleet Fiber Arts Corps. Nice. <laughs> so basically, it's the same sort of thing where, you know, they have different sessions of like three months. Each month, you have a different project that you need to complete. Except in this case, it's set within Starfleet. I wonder if you have to do your own uniform as one of your first pro- projects. No, they do have, see, they have different missions that you can pick from. So they have different sort of general themes that you can pick projects for, develop projects for. They have like the engineering mission, the scientific mission, the diplomatic mission that you can pick. And there's a couple others as well. And you're also assigned to a ship. So they had like, (laughs) I think the two that I remember are like the USS Argyle, which actually (laughs) has like, and each of them has an NCC number. Or the other one I remember is the USS Zimmerman. (laughs) Which is NCC-1910, because I believe 1910 was when Elizabeth Zimmerman was born. See, I keep thinking of Spock walking around in uh, Aaron's sweater. Oh, hello. (laughs) Especially if it's Zachary Quinto Spock. But yeah, so you they're still in the recruitment phase right now. When you're recruited, you are recruited as an ensign. But I believe you can move up the ranks as you complete missions. Nice. And it looks like it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to have to mention this to someone I know that who is a knitter and a huge Star Trek fan. Do you get to record it on a tricorder or something like that? (laughs) Or knit tribbles? Oh my god. If I ever actually get a little MP3 player or something that has a recorder on it so we can do stuff, (laughs) I am totally calling it our tricorder. Bring out our tricorder. Stardate. Five, six, zero. These are the voyages of the starship Zimmerman. Our mission, to seek out new yarns. <laughs> and with that mental image you've given me of Spock in an Aaron sweater. Live long and cable. Maggie's holding up her hands, not doing quite the Spock thing. The, the index Vulcan. and t- little finger are pointing out, but the two middle fingers are wrapped around each other like a cable. Live long and cable. But yes, maybe his the sweater has a new kind of fiber blend. Wool and Kevlar. Hmm. Because apparently researchers at RMIT University in Australia have found that making a blend of wool and Kevlar is actually stronger than Kevlar alone, especially when wet. The article that we're looking at is from... Uh, textileworld.com and we'll definitely link to this in the show notes and it said that because of the friction between the two fibers they hold closer together and dissipate more of a bullet's energy so I think it said that you could use 28 to 30 layers of this kind of wool Kevlar fabric and get the same protection you would with 36 layers of 100% Kevlar that's cool which is a hell of a lot cheaper yeah And then also, they said that when it gets wet, because wool fibers swell when it gets wet, it has even greater protection than Kevlar alone, which has to have an expensive waterproofing treatment so that it retains its ability to dissipate a bullet's energy when wet, which is kind of awesome. That is pretty cool. And which also now, you know brings to mind images of a SWAT team in, (laughs) in black 
cabled Aaron sweaters. Or Fair Isle. Like, I gotta admit, I doodled that during a meeting. <laughs> I'm going to see if we can upload that doodle maybe to our um, our blog site. Yes. I believe I will have to get... I brought my my camera tonight, so I may have to get a little picture of that. <laughs> that we can upload. Or even better image in my head. Now I'm thinking of Kiefer Sutherland in 24. <laughs> As Jack Bauer running around with an Aaron sweater on. Kara needs a moment to herself. I'll be in my bunk. But I think that is really awesome that wool makes Kevlar even better. Even stronger. Even better, even more bullet resistant. All from the humble sheep. And now I have images of sheep parachuting out of... (laughs) Parachuting out of air transport, landing somewhere in the Amazon. Or like the sheep from the Electric Sheep podcast. I'm sure the sheep would have one of these wool Kevlar blends. Probably. If you haven't listened to the Electric electric Sheep, you really should. Yeah. Especially when she does her own little Christmas pantomime starring the sheep. And one last item for Geeksquee. Just before coming here, actually, I saw an article about a documentary called Being Elmo. What? It's actually, it's the story of Kevin Clash, who is the puppeteer that does the movement and the voice for Elmo from Sesame Street. Okay. And looking at the trailer, this movie looks absolutely adorable. Apparently it's got it got great reviews at Sundance, and a lot of people have said, if you go to see this movie, bring Kleenex. Oh dear. Because it is it looks heartwarming and inspirational. In a Wally kind of way. And uplifting. Yeah, except it's real. <laughs> It's a real person. Like, he talks about... Even in the trailer, he talks about how he always really wanted to be a puppeteer. And, like, that was his dream, to be one of the Muppets. And how he went about achieving that. And one of the things I loved in the trailer, like, even just watching the little clips of it that they had, is they show him walking into a room or going up to kids with the Elmo puppet. And it's like, it's either like he's not even there or like he's just a person who happens to be with Elmo. Like the kids are all looking at and interacting with the Elmo puppet, even when he, when it's obviously, you know, this big, tall guy has his hand stuck inside the puppet and is obviously controlling it. It's amazing how the kids just, yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem to matter. Like it's like when he's there, like Elmo is, Alive. That is. It is actually Elmo there. That is. And just the look of the the look on the kids' faces when Elmo hugs them or something. It's just adorable. And I was getting a little verklempt. Verklempt watching it. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. Elmo can live. Yeah. (laughs) And you can actually see the trailer or some of the other stuff at www.beingelmo.com. It looks really sweet. I still can't get over him being on the landing platform. Or on the... It was the last space shuttle. Oh, yeah. Elmo being... Yeah. At the last space shuttle launch? Yes. Okay. Who let the Muppet onto the launch pad? Moving on into cravings, covets, and crushes. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but... I really want to knit me some socks. I learned this past week... Well, for starters, I'm aghast that I live in Canada and I don't own any flannel pajamas. Number one. I've also learned that I don't have near enough hand-knit socks for myself. No, you do not. I have two pairs, and neither of them fit me properly. Seriously? Yes. See, this is why you need to knit yourself more socks, because then you can practice how to <laughs> fit your foot. Yep. So we'll make socks that fit your foot better if you make more socks for you. In that vein, I have been kind of eyeing and ooing over some needles, and Webs has come out with new Knitter's Pride needles. I I know Karen is a nickel and metal knitting needle person. Uh, person. I really like the wood. I don't know why. 
It's just something I like. You like wood? Oh, God, I walked right into that, didn't I? <laughs> Son of a... Anyway. So anyway, the Knitter's Pride Needles. The really neat thing about them is that they're color-coded. How many times have you pulled needles out of your knitting collection? You can't read the inscription on the side that says how big they are, and you have to go searching yeah, for your... The, yeah, the, the printing on the side that says on... Even some circul- circulars are not numbered. Yeah. Some that are, they'll rub off. You have to go searching for your little needle, needle gauge. Yeah. To, you know, start poking it through holes to find out what size it is. Which, if you guys are anything like me, you have, like, three of them and can never find them. <laughs> These are all color-coded, which is re- which is a nice thing. So all you have to do is go, hey, those are green. I know the- what those size are. Yunk! Hey, those are the reds. Those are the orange and tans. Those are the, you know, the browns. Those are the purples. They're a whole spectrum of colors, and they're really pretty. Yeah, and they have fixed circular needles. They also have I think they have DPMs. interchangeables, and they have DPNs. Yeah, I think. or I know I've I listened to the Web's podcast Ready Set Knit, and they were saying that there's certain things that they have already approached Knitter's Pride that they want to get, but they're either in development and they're waiting to see how these how people like these needles okay. that they have. Or they just haven't arrived yet. Okay. So there, if you look on the web's website, they might have. There might be some stuff there that they're still waiting for certain things, like you know, say DPNs in a certain material or something like right. that. Right. Right. But but basically, the interchangeable set goes from U.S. size four, which I think is about a three point five millimeter needle. Sounds about right. Up to like a size ten. Yeah. Or 11, which is probably about, what, 8 millimeters or something? I can never remember. And then for sizes below that, they have fixed circular needles. Yeah. And the colors do repeat over the different sizes, but the thing is, like... They're so obviously yeah, far Yeah, they have apart. eight, like, say, eight different colors, so it goes through the eight colors in a certain order, and then it goes through the eight colors again with the larger ones. So, I mean, you might have a 2 millimeter needle, which is the same color as a 4.5 millimeter needle, which... For one, if you have the interchangeables and then you have fixed, obviously if it's fixed, it's going to be the smaller one. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to be able to tell looking at it, like, no, that's not a 4.5, that's yeah. a 2 millimeter. So it's there's enough of a distance between the, the repeated colors that it's obvious which one it'll be. And hey, if anybody out there has tried these, give us a, a shout out and let us know what you think of them. Yeah, I think they've only just been released this past week, but some people might have already been able to order them. Especially if you live in the States, and yeah. it only takes a couple days to ship, unlike up here. Yeah, you don't live in them communist countries. <laughs> yes, them like socialist Canada. countries like Canada, where Canada <laughs> Customs basically just sits there and like, nope, I'm not sending it through just yet. I don't feel like it. I like, need- say, certain stickers that we only just got this past oh, week. Oh, God, yeah. Because apparently those came from the States, even oh. though I remember them off the Canadian site. Whatever. You sure it didn't get delivered to Mr. Tumnus by accident? Maybe. Yeah. There was a little snow on it. But they also have, they have the wooden ones, which are color-coded. They have nickel-plated. Mm-hmm. They have they have square needles mm-hmm. called the cubics, which look really interesting. I've heard those are supposed to make your stitches more even. Yeah, I've heard that it's easier, that some people find them easier to hold. Yeah. And that they are supposed to help with your tension staying the same. I have not actually tried them yet. I'd like to. At the moment, when I was looking at the web's website, I know it's uh, Collage Yarns has their own set of square needles, which I haven't had a chance to try yet. And then with the webs ones, at the moment, it doesn't look like they have anything smaller than about, I think it was a 3.25 
or 3.5 in the cubic ones. Mm-hmm. Again, that might be the sort of thing where they just under right. development yet, or they may not have been shipped in yet. But at some point, I would like to try these square needles. And especially, though I think the ones that I've seen so far, the collage ones I was just looking at, and I was just sort of wondering about the join on the cable. And then, of course, if you need more inspiration for what to knit, the Deep Fall Knitty came out this week. <laughs> I know I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about this knitty. I know there's a few people that have said they haven't really seen anything that caught their eye, but I've seen a few things that I think I might want to make at some point. I know I like two of the sock patterns. There's the Glomerata. Ooh, yes, I like those. Which is, if you're looking at the index of the patterns. It's the purple sock that is just entrenched in pattern and texture. And it is labeled extra spicy, so, you know, this is not one to drink some shots of tequila and then knit. Yeah, this is probably going to be a Viper Pilot or similar where you have to somewhat concentrate and keep track of where you are. Though it looks like it might be, looking at the pattern, it does have repeatable elements, so... It depends on, you know, how those repeatable elements line up. But it looks like the end product is so worth it, especially if you can find something beautiful like Volmice. And I do actually like the Paper Moon socks. You know, a lot of people may say that they're rather plain, but, you know, they're not overdone. They're, what am I trying to say? It's just a little bit, there's a little bit of patterning on it, which might help sort of keep attention. But it also looks fairly simple. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about them that I like. Yeah. And I guess that's all I need. And there, you know, there is a place for simple socks and there is a place for fancy socks. I also love the vignette cardigan by Amy Herzog and whose stuff I love. Like, I think I've got half of her patterns in my queue, half of her sweater patterns at least. She always does, does such nice stuff. And the stuff that works very well on a more voluptuous figure. <laughs> on a curvaceous lady? Yes. I kind of like it. And it looks very simple too. Like, it's just got these little panels of a very simple lace pattern that go up each side of the card again and then down the top of the sleeve. I guess that may be what is different about this nitty that a lot of people are sort of doing a double take on is that a lot of the pattern features are subtle. They're not really overstated. Eh, not for some of them. <laughs> There's a couple more color worky stuff. The other one I liked is the semi-precious shawl, which I know it's done as part of the nitty spin thing, so it has color gradations through that because it's hand spun, but I think it would also look really neat in something like Kayuni or, you know, Noro or something like that with those sort of color transitions through it. But yes, there's a couple extra things that will be added to my queue. Not that I haven't been adding stuff already, as some of you who have friended me on Ravelry may have noticed. Oh yes, and my goal this weekend is to actually update my Ravelry, both my projects and my stash. Thankfully my stash is not very large, so that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I still need to catalog the stash that I took pictures of the, a few weeks ago. Maybe I should do that this week. I've also been thinking about dyeing some yarn and even selling it. <laughs> In which case, I would be, you know, reviving an old knitting blog, which I have long since abandoned because I am horribly bad at knitting blogging, if you can tell by the fact that how long it took me to get pictures of certain projects I was mentioning on the podcast. Well, um, what what are you thinking of your base for it? I have some stuff already. Okay. Like, I have lace weight, and I have a little bit of uh, merino nylon, sort of a tighter twist sock yarn. The stuff that I used for my nameless brainless socks Ah. that I dyed myself. And do you have a color concept? Um, I might just just try doing some kettle dyeing. I'll probably mention it next week or something if I end up doing dyeing. It's not going to be something that I I... If I do end up selling the stuff, it's not something I would be doing all the time. It'd be like, I feel like I'm you know, occasionally do some dyeing because it's probably better. It's considering how much or how little 
space I have. I have one <laughs> little crock pot that I use for dyeing. This is not going to be a high production thing. And, you know, I would occasionally mention that on the podcast, but it's not going to be. I'm not going to be on here every week trying to vlog my shit. <laughs> Don't worry. But, you know, I was just thinking, you know, it'd be nice if I could make enough to support my yarn habit. <laughs> We all wish that. But we'll see. Okay, so I think that's us for this week. Thanks, guys, for listening. Now, remember, it's full. Pull out the knits, air them out, warm tootsies and everything. Hot chocolate and apple pie for everybody. Hot chocolate with peppermint schnapps in it. <laughs> Yum. Okay, be Enjoy good. Enjoy the perfect knitting weather, people. Yep, be good or be bad and send us the pictures. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For show notes or to comment, you can visit our blog at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Ravelry group. Just search under groups for knit1geek2. You can also find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Thanks for listening.